October 23rd, 2023. We're continuing in Masech Berachot, and Yodzayin Amud Bet. We just finished the second Perek, and we're up to the third, Mishemeto. So let's begin uh, just uh, 10 or 12 lines from the bottom of the Amud with the next Mishnah. Mishemeto Mutal Lefanav. A person who's Meto, a person who deceased in their family, is Mutal Lefanav. Literally means is placed in front of them. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean it's literally, in the physical sense, placed in front of them? Or does it alternatively mean that it's incumbent upon you to bury them? Now, that'll be a dispute, a mahlokit in the Gemara. But effectively, what we're being, what's being described here in the Mishnah is a situation of what we call onen, a person prior to the burial of one of their seven closest relatives. Seven closest relatives, father, mother, brother, sister, child, son or daughter, and wife. Right, those are the seven closest relatives, and in turn, there's a mitzvah to be avel. But prior to avelut, to the morning time period, there's what's called aninut. This mishnah describes for us that halacha of aninut. What's the halacha with regards to mishemetomutalifanav? Either in the physical sense, or alternatively, the way we're potek halacha, just in the figurative sense, it's incumbent upon you to bury them. Patur mikiriachema uminatifila. Says the Mishnah, such an individual is exempt from Kiryat Shema, from Tefillah, that's Shemone Isre Amida, and from putting on Tefillin, and by extension and beyond that, Mikom Mitzvot Amurot Batorah, really all the Mitzvot. Why is Tefillin mentioned here in this Mishnah? At the end of last Perek, uh, we even saw that the Gemara cites a pasuk from Sefer Yechezkel. The pasuk says, Pe'ilcha havush alecha. And the dirashah of the rabbis, in understanding that appropriately, was that on the first day of Avelut, on the first day of a person mourning the death of a relative, they're exempt, they're forbidden even, from putting on tefillin. So the exemption from tefillin that's mentioned here in the Mishnah is not because of aninut per se. It's not because of the status of being an onen where for some reason or another you're not doing any mitzvot, but rather because in general you don't put on tefillin. Uh, that's a question that some of the Rishonim ask. Rashba suggests that tefillin is really just agav. Tefillin is not a chidush in and of itself. Once you told me, Kiryat Sheman Tefillah of Shachrit, the vision, the understanding is you're wearing tefillin, so we threw in mention of tefillin as well. Alternatively, Rashba suggests the petur, the exemption from putting on tefillin, is specifically after the burial. Over here, it's a suggestion in the Mishnah that even prior to the burial, you're exempt from tefillin. Do you follow? In other words, the exemption, the petur of tefillin of an avel, is specifically and only once they already buried, once the kivura is done. Over here, we're talking about prior to the kivura. Maybe they'd be obligated. You don't have an exemption of avelut on day one until after burial. That's why our Mishnah mentions tefillin over here. And when it says patur, the Mishnah... That means oh, interesting you don't have question. To or you're not allowed Very to. important and interesting question. So again, to summarize the line and then to address your question, so again, the Mishnah says, a person who has meto mutalifanav, we said we're going to address exactly what that means, but we're understanding it in the most simple sense, it means it's incumbent upon you to bury that person, patur, they're exempt from all the mitzvot. What's the reason? And then we'll be able to address your question of whether they're allowed to or not. Rashi, on the left-hand side, the first Rashi in the Perek, Mishemeto vechule, patum melikrot kiriyat shema, explains Rashi, lefi shu tarud 
And individuals in such a situation, they're tarud, they're disturbed in their mind, they're distracted in the machshevet kevuraton, thoughts of burial. Says Rashi, it's in turn similar to that was the dirasha we mentioned twice in the last Perik, that a hatan, a person on their first night of marriage, are exempt from Kiryachima because of this tirda. It emerges from Rashi that this petur, and Rashi will say it uh, almost explicitly or explicitly in the Gemara, that it's not an obligation. For example, if you look at Rashi, three lines from the bottom of the Amud, of course, out of context for now, but Rashi says, There's no obligation. So patur, according to Rashi in our Mishnah, since this is derived from your distraction, from your tirda, it's that you're exempt, not that you're prohibited from performance of the mitzvot. But it's a mindset thing. It's not you have it has to everything to do with your mindset, and in turn, if you can overcome that mindset, you can do so. Tosafot, in contrast, the last Tosafot on the Amud cites from Talmud Yerushalmi. In Talmud Yerushalmi, the reason that's suggested is which means to say, for the honor of the dead person, who the responsibility of burial is upon you, it's inappropriate that even for mitzvot, you engage in something other than involvement with the burial at all times. But I'm not even with them. They're in the hospital, they're in the morgue, and I'm home. It's still inappropriate. Kevodo Shilmet dictates that it's inappropriate. According to Tosafot, and we'll see this emerge in the Gemara and in the Poskim, it's prohibited. A person who's in Onen is not allowed to do mitzvot. What do we refer to, lastly, as we talk about mitzvot, we mentioned this Mahlok Rashi and Tosafot, we're specifically referring to mitzvot aseh, to the Berachot, to the Kiryat Shema, to the Tefillah, to the Tefillin. Mitzvot lo ta'aseh, eating kosher, uh, desecration of Shabbat, etc., of course are in place. It's only the mitzvot aseh where there's an exemption or la halacha posek, a prohibition from performance of those mitzvot. Okay, continues the Mishnah, and it gives us a little bit more details with regards to what it means to be engaged in the burial, and in turn, to be exempt or even forbidden, potentially, from performance of the mitzvot. Says the Mishnah, nos'eh hamita, vayisa we'll read in next week's parasha, means he raises his eyes. Nos'eh means those who raise, who are holding the mitah. Mitah is the coffin, is the bed, so to speak, whereon, upon which the, uh, the death, dead, dead person is sitting on. That's right, a deathbed. So those who are carrying it for burial. In addition to those who are carrying the backups, that's chilufehen, and chilufehen, the backups of the backups. In other words, imagine it in the day and age where you carried that coffin, that deathbed, quite a distance. Not one person or even a group of people were carrying, carrying it the whole time. You're going to pause, you're going to hand it off to someone else. All of them, that's right, everyone part of the chivra who's involved in this. And then we talk about before the bed and behind the bed. What's that a reference to? Those who are before the bed are those who already carried it. Those who are behind the bed are those who have yet to carry it. You finished, now walk ahead. You haven't done it, so stand behind us. Now, explain to the Mishnah. Hayavin. Uh, says the Mishnah, excuse me, I, I, I said it uh, the opposite, uh, yeah, I said it right, right? is those who are going to, says the Mishnah, it goes like this, 
If you're in front of the bed, meaning you haven't had your opportunity yet to carry, I think I, I mixed that up, right? Those in front of the bed have yet to have their opportunity to carry. Uh, if there's a sorech bahem, if there's a necessity for them to carry, pturim, they're not going to and don't need to do the mitzvot until they actually get involved. What about those who already did carry and now they're trailing behind? What's the purpose in trailing behind? To lend uh, support in numbers. There's still a lot of people carrying. But hayavim, they're obligated. Once they already uh, carried, they, they in turn are obligated. Take a look for a moment at Rashi. This is the way. That they would switch off as they're carrying. Explains Rashi. It's not even based on necessity. It's based on interest in being perform, uh, being involved in the performance of this mitzvah. Those who are behind means they already carried it, right? The ones who are in front of the bed who haven't yet carried it are exempt. In other words, the Hidush here in the Mishnah is if you already carried the bed, but you might still be needed, you're still obligated already to say Kiryat Shema. Why are you still obligated? You already performed your mitzvah. The Kabod Hamet of Tosafot, the Tirha of Rashi, is already expired. And as a result, even though you might still be called upon, you will still be called upon, you're obligated. So that's what these words mean I'm in the Mishnah. We're talking about cut-off. These when, are, this is Hebrew These are people who are involved with the bed. It was, you know, it could, could be family members. It's not per se family members, right. it's anyone, correct. Anyone who's, who's involved in it. Correct. Have to the be first dead. name in the Mishnah was family members. Right. Now we're talking about anyone, correct. The elu va'elu, but both those who are in front and even those who are behind, who a moment ago we were saying were obligated, pturim min whereas they're obligated in Kiryat Shema, they're pturim, they're exempt from tefillah. Why should you distinguish between Kiryat Shema and tefillah, Rashi? explains Rashi Rashi explains the difference for our purposes is between Kiryat uh, Shema, which is biblically obligated, and your Hayav Min HaTorah, and Tefillah, which according to Rashi is only Midrabanan. And in turn, there's a leniency with regards to Tefillah, which is only Midrabanan. Does that mean anyone could just forego the mitzvah? Of course not. It means with regards to these people who still have their mind on the burial, who are still somewhat engaged, and they might even still be called on, or they will still be called on, whereas by Kiryat Shema, biblical obligation, Hayab Torah, you have to say Kiryat Shema, by Tefillah, there's an exemption. Not everyone agrees with Rashi. Famously, Harambam counts Tefillah in one of his 613 mitzvot, and at the very onset of Hilchot Tefillah, he cites this as a mitzvah ta'asem in HaTorah, a fulfillment of Ul'obdo bechol levavichem. The Gemara at the beginning of Masechet Ta'anit, Ezohi Avodah Shebalev, Heveom Erzot Tefillah, it's a mitzvah ta'asem from the Torah. Clearly, Harambam can't explain our Gemara, our Mishnah like Rashi. But Rashi, luckily, explains a different interpretation. Verabotenu Pireshu says there's a different interpretation from his rabbis. Lefishiyesh lahem od shahut. And the difference between Kiryat Shema and Tefillah is you have more of a time period to say uh, Amida. And so therefore, whereas Kiryat Shema might expire more quickly, Amida, well, you'll be exempt because you'll handle it probably afterwards. Kiryat Shema, you have to quickly tend to. 
Of course, the nafkamina between these two answers is whether when you don't have that time, you're burying later or something got stalled, whether you'd be obligated to say tefillah or not. Says Rashi, the Lashon of our Mishnah is patur, exempt, according to Rabboteno, according to his rabbis. You wouldn't say they're exempt. They're exempt in this moment because they'll say it later on, but they're not actually exempt. He therefore prefers his interpretation. There are some who suggest alternatively, Rabbeinu Yonah and others, that the difference between Kiryat Shema and Tefillah in this context is how much uh, with regards to saying is a necessity. Whereas by Kiryat Shema, it's shorter and uh, in truth, the first pasuk can be, to a certain extent, we'll see later in the Perek, uh, an opinion that maintains that's the mitzvah to Asim in HaTorah. So you need to gather your mind for Kavanah in one pasuk. Tefillah, Amidah is not so. There's no uh, just saying a little bit of the Amidah. And if you're not going to have the Kavanah, so then you're entirely, ironically, even if it's lower in level, but according to Harambam, it's not, you'll be exempt from Tefillah and not Kiryat Shema. Continues the Mishnah, and it says, Kavru et what if after the burial, so this was all leading up to the burial, after the burial that was onen by the family members, that was the burial society, the Hevra Kadisha, Kavru Tamit, it's done. Vehazru, and they return back. Goes like this the people who buried are together with the family members. And there's an ancient custom that as the family members emerge from the burial place, from the plot, from the grave, they'll walk to a shura, which means to say people line up, and as the the avelim walk through, everyone says to them, everyone consoles them, of course, with the mention of God consoling them. That's what we refer to when we say the shura. So in turn, says the Mishnah, and they then returned back from the burial place, but they're back, not back home. They're waiting for the Avelim. If they're capable of starting and finishing Kiryat Shema prior to this Shura, these lines being set up in which they're going to uh, provide consolation, consolement to uh, the Avelim, the mourners, so then say Kiryat Shema. But if you're going to get cut off in the middle, don't start it if you're going to have to stop then in order to tend to the needs of the Avelim. And lastly, says the Mishnah, with regards to those people who are on that line, remember we're lining up in order to uh, console the mourners, it's, there's going to be an internal group, and then there's going to be very often a group behind them. There's many people who went for the burial. The internal ones are very necessary. They're providing that consolement to the mourners. Everyone around them are there in order to increase number, but they're not directly providing that consolement. And as a result, whereas the inner ones would be exempt from Kiryachima, the external ones would not. In Rashi? Which, in which situation? If they when, can finish? We're talking about... Let's say they didn't say it. They couldn't finish. Right. Right? And now the Avelim are passing through, even in that situation. The external ones can go to the side and say, Kiryat Shema. Alternatively... Even if there's a chance, they won't finish. But there's no not finishing. They don't need to be a part of the Shura. In other words, you need to wrap your head around one of two things over here. Either the Shura or Kiryat Shema. I'm not going to be able to say Kiryat Shema. I'm going to be on the external line, say Kiryat Shema. But I'm not going to be able to greet the person. You're not going to be able to, in a real sense anyway, because you're not on the inside. That's how 
The Mishnah seems to read, Rashi writes, Lashura behekef shura, is to surround them with a with a row of people, sevivotav, min hakever, as he or they returned from the burial place. Okay, says the Gemara now in commenting on the third and fourth word of our Mishnah. There's no parentheses in here? The parentheses we skip because these words, Nashim Avadim, great question, will actually be mentioned explicitly in the Mishnah on Daf Kaf. If you take a look quickly at the Mishnah Daf Kaf on the bottom, Daf Kaf Amud Aleph, it says over there, Nashim Avadim Uktanim Pturim Kriyat Shema. Right, in other words, the that's next the Mishnah. next Mishnah which we're going to address over there. It was for one reason or another inserted over here. Those parentheses tell you, well, it's not supposed to be here, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you why. Okay, says the Gemara, Our Mishnah seems to suggest quite clearly, if we're reading it very literally, that the only time a person would be exempt as a onen from mitzvot or prohibited from mitzvot is when it's mishemeto mutalefanav. It's when the dead person, the relative, is mutalefanav. It's in a literal sense, lying in front of you. Um, it seems, in turn, if they're not, you'd be obligated. That's those words, mutalefanav in. In in Aramaic means yes. In that situation, you're patur. In v'she'eno mutalefanav, if he's not, she's not, literally lying in front of you, lo. It seems to be contingent upon the literal reality. Huh? Maybe it is. So we have a challenge to that. Uraminhi, we're challenging that from a beraita. We're asking a contradiction from the beraita. Here's what the beraita says. And of course, what we're paying attention to in this beraita is a situation where the beraita is going to mention an exemption, a patur, from the mitzvot, even when the body of the corpse of the, of the dead person, the relative, is not actually in front of you. Apparently, this Mishnah is going to say, you're still exempt. Oh, okay, so that's what we're headed toward. How so? Says the Beraita in its initial words, not so disturbing. If there's a, a, a deceased person literally in front of you, you're not supposed to eat in the same home. Why are you not supposed to eat in the same home? Rashi, ochel bebayit aher, dinera'a kelo'eg larash. The Gemara is going to cite this pasuk on daf yod het amud aleph, the pasuk of lo'eg larash, heref osehu, is pasuk in Mishle, and it literally means a person who mocks a rash, a poor one, heref osehu, we'll have to define when we get there, but there's something inappropriate about mocking a person who's poor, you're downtrodden, you're destitute, and I'm making fun of you. So the context over here is, you're going to be eating in the home with the dead person, Mabisir. It's inappropriate. You're lo'eg larash, you're, so to speak, in front of this dead person. Of course, he doesn't have feelings in this moment. Of course, they're not actually seeing and perceiving, but it's inappropriate based on what you're doing. As a result, you're supposed to eat... Body. Well, not so fast. Vimein lo you're not going to actually leave the body. Clearly not. You're going to leave someone else to watch over the body. Well, that'll become very clear from the continued lines in the Gemara. What if you don't have another home to go to? You can eat in your friend's home. Again, because you shouldn't be in the same place as the dead body. What if you don't have a friend or you live amongst uh, hostile people or non-Jews or something like that? You're supposed to construct a mechitza, a mechitza of ten tefahim, is the size of a standard mechitza in this context, and you're supposed to construct some sort of wall by so doing. 
That could be. You don't have or, it. Or build that's, a room. could mean even another room. Oh, oh, oh. Right? So over here, it's building a room through that mechitza. And this is the most important part for us. You're not able to construct a mechitza. You're supposed to turn your face and eat. Let's pause there for a moment. Let's just understand. Let's just understand what just happened in this beraita. This beraita presented for us several situations. Let's review them. If you have a dead person, ideally go into the other room. You don't have another room, go to your friend's house. You don't have another a friend's house, construct a mechitza. All three of those cases are cases where effectively, either physically or halachically physically with the mechitza, you are not physically with the dead body. And nonetheless, the concluding lines of our Mishnah say, in such a circumstance, in addition to not eating meat and drinking wine, you're exempt from all the mitzvot. Wait a second. I thought our Mishnah said the only circumstance situation wherein you're exempt from the mitzvot is if it's physically in front of you, that dead body. Well, if you're not, not physically, those are the first words of the Gemara, not physically in front of you, you're going to be obligated. But this Beraita seems to suggest otherwise. This Beraita mentions all sorts of circumstances with the concluding lines providing for us the guidance, the guidelines for the Halakha. Let's get into the specifics of the halakha before we arrive at an answer. Let's see just the, the last line of the Gemara. It says, what are you doing? You eat and you're not leaning. You're not sitting in a, in a comfortable way, dining. obviously, dining. Additionally, meat and wine are inappropriate at this time for consumption. As an avail, over the, days of your, over the seven days of your morning, you can have basavayayin. As an onen... No basar and yain. Inappropriate. Mishim you could have wine in seven days? Um, I, 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 I didn't know. I, I believe so. Yes, I believe so. It's only, it's only as an onin that you're not supposed to, if I'm not mistaken. Ve'enom mevarech. Ve'enom mezamen. And you don't make beracha. Which beracha? Rashi. Eno tzarich levarech berkatamazon. Um, so, excuse me, Rashi ve'enom mevarech ve'eno tzarich levarech berkat hamotzi. Rashi says, which berachah is ve'enom mevarech berkat hamotzi? Ve'enom mezamen, says Rashi, is berkat hamazon. Okay, there's a debate about the specifics on each of these, but for our purposes, we'll run with Rashi. So no berachah rishona, no berachah harona. And Rashi again says, ve'eno tzarich. Ve'en mevarechin alav, what does it mean, en mevarechin alav, explains Rashi, en tzarich shi'ivarechu lo acherim beberkat alechem, you don't need to turn to someone else and say, could you say hamotzi for me, I'm not allowed to say it. Okay, for Rashi it's en otzarich, for others it'll be asur. Upatur mikriyat shema, minat tefilah, minat tefilin, those are all very clear for us. We know, ve'en mezamenin alav, I skipped, and you're not supposed to have someone say, for Rashi it means zimun for bekat amazon, of course. Okay, so that's, those are the key lines we needed in this Beraita in order to ask the question. Parentheses at the end, by the way, we have another principle. This is all describing for us again the principle, the concept known as Aminut. It's a word we derive from the Torah, at the beginning of Parashat Kitavo. But um, the concept alternatively is En Aninut Beshabbat. There's lots of laws connected to this, but for all intents and purposes, if a person, Lo'alenu, has, a, has a, a relative passed away on Shabbat, all these laws don't apply. 
They only start applying after Shabbat. It's for that reason, if you've ever been present, or Lo'aleinu been through this type of situation yourself, you know that they leave before Arbit. They're in Knis the whole day and everything is regular before Arbit. So we'll pass away take... Saturday morning, let's say. That's right. Friday night or Saturday morning, Shabbat needs to look regular for them. When it comes to Saturday night, we tell them prayer early Arbit and leave Knis before we get up to Arbit. Our Arbit is going to go into after Shabbat. You can't be in after Shabbat tefillah. You're an onin. But that's in turn what the Mishnah said, Beraita says at the end, Shabbat mesev ve'ochil basar ve'shotei yayin, u'mvarech u'mzamen, u'mvarechin alam, u'mzamenin alav, ha'ya b'chol ha'mitzvot ha'morot v'atorah. Right? It says on Shabbat, you don't have these laws of aninut. Lastly, says the Beraita, Rashbag omer, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, or maybe Rabban Gamliel omer, mitoch shenithayav be'ellu, nithayav be'kulan. Right, whereas, um, where, whereas uh, this Beraita is, is teaching us the, these laws, it says, So his statement is, once you're obligated in these mitzvot, you're in turn obligated in all the mitzvot. He's, of course, referring to Shabbat. What's the difference between him and the first opinion? Again, let me read you the words of the first opinion. Oh, by the way, once you're obligated in those, you're obligated in all. I just said you're obligated in all. What's the difference between, and again, for our purposes, this is a side point, where our mindset is on the initial question. The Gemara will sometimes get us a little confused like this, right? It gives us an initial question. It's bringing us the proof, the counterproof. On the side of that counterproof, we're dealing with a detail, and then we'll come back to an answer. But anyway, says the Gemara, Mai benayu, ma benehem. What's the difference between Rabban Gamliel and Hachamim? Tashmish Hamita Ika benayu. The difference between them is whether Tashmish Hamita, whether marital relations, is a permitted or even obligatory for a person who's in Onin. Whereas the Hachamim perhaps would exempt or maybe say prohibited. For Rabban Gamliel, it would be obligatory, right? That's what Rashi says, Le Rabban Shimon Hayav. For Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel, you're obligated in the mitzvah of Onah, Be Onah Be Shabbat. The mitzvah of Onah, the performance of and it'll be appropriate time in terms of marital relation for your wife. Okay, that all being the case, and that issue, not really our core issue, the Gemara is wondering, it's only if the physical body is in front of you. This Beraita seems to suggest otherwise. Answers the Gemara, two answers. First answer in the Gemara, uh, says the Gemara, we have taught in this Beraita at the very least, it says that even if meto is not mutalifanav, right? Even if the physical body is not in front of you, nonetheless exempt from all the mitzvot. But I thought the Mishnah told me only when the physical body is in front of me. Two answers. First answer goes like this. Let's quickly remember what the Beraita said. Beraita said the following situations, but you need to pay attention to the order. Beraita says, if meto mutalifanav, it bebayit ahed. Uh, you turn your face and you say and, and you and, and you eat, right? Those were the words in the Beraita. Then, and listen carefully, the next words are, and you're exempt from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and all the mitzvot in the Torah. Those final words that you're exempt from all those things 
are talking specifically about the last of my several examples or about all of them? We assumed it was talking about all of them. We might now suggest that it's specifically talking about the last of them, which was machazir panav, when you turn your face. When you're turning your face, you're effectively right next to the physical body. That's the first answer of the Gemara. Amar papa tirgima, Rav papa answers and he explains, a machazir panav ve'ochel. These words are specifically and only contingent upon and related to the last case, Mahazir Panah It's difficult, but it's possible as an explanation. Alternatively, Ravashe, the easier explanation, Ravashe Amar Kevan Shemutal Alav Lekobro Kemutal Lefanav Dameh. Says Ravashe, the words Mishemeto Mutal Lefanav shouldn't be read as literally as we believed until mm. now. Since it's incumbent upon you to bury, it's as if the body is physically in front of you. In other words, the idea being, I am engaged in this, but you're not with the body, but I am with the body because it's on my mind and I'm connected to my relative who passed. Shine uh, Imar, and he brings a source for this from the beginning of Parashat Hayesara. Vayakom Avraham me'al pene meto. Pasuk says, Avraham gets up me'al pene meto. What does me'al pene meto mean? From the face of the past, what passed away one, from the deceased one. He was with Sarah, he gets up. Is he any longer with Sarah? Certainly not. Vene Imar, and then when he speaks to Benechet, and he engages in conversation with Ephron. He says, et meti And I'll bury my deceased one in front of me. What do you mean in front of me? The deceased one's not in front of you. The pasuk just said you left your deceased one. Rather, we learn from this, says Ravasheh, any time that it's incumbent upon you to bury, we consider it as if it's physically in front of you. So it means that to summarize what we learned today, we had a Mishnah. Mishnah introduced us to the concept of Aninut. We talked about the Mahlok and the dispute between Rashi and Tosafot about whether you just exempt or even prohibited. We explained that it's it's dependent upon the reason for Aninut. Is Aninut because of that Tirda, like a Hatan, in which case, like Rashi said, you're allowed to, but you're exempt? Or is it a new Halakha of Kavod Hamet Tosafot based on Tamud Yerushalmi, uh, prohibited for you to even be involved in these mitzvot. We talked about some of the specifics with regards to the people involved in the burial and those who are greeting as the uh, mourners come out. And then in our Gemara, we effectively set forth an explanation for what it means, when all that does settle means one of two things. Either the first interpretation, Rav Papa, literally, only when the, bury, the person to be buried is in front of you, that's Aninut, and only that is Aninut with regards to exemption. Or alternative, it's if it's just your responsibility, we refer to you in that situation as if the physical body is in front of you. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen